this morning. We're grateful to meet together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was on a boat for most of the day yesterday, so when I close my eyes to pray, I feel like I might be falling over, but I can't tell. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so if you have been paying attention at all for the last four years at Church on the Rock, we have been making our way through the narrative of Scripture. We got to the end of the storyline of Scripture as told in the present tense. There is a future story in Revelations. But we reached the end of our storyline, and uh, now we're taking a little bit of time to look at some of the items of correspondence between uh, some of the church leaders, the early church leaders, and the new groups of, of followers that were springing up. Um, translated, uh, what that means is I'm just picking whatever I want to talk about, and then I'm finding a passage in the epistles to work off of for Sunday mornings right now. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks, we looked at Colossians, and uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look at, uh, actually, this morning, we're going to look at one verse in the book of Romans. Don't look at it yet, but we're going to look at one verse. Did you, you, you tried to cheat, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> one verse, it's just 12 words, and of that one verse, uh, I'm going to ask five questions uh, to, to kind of guide our thinking and our scrutiny of this passage. Um, I have experienced in my own life over the last, I would say, maybe six months, as we ended with uh, the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus in our story, and then we landed on the expansion of the gospel as Paul encounters Jesus and takes it onward. Um, I would say that I am, I am personally experiencing like uh, some of these basic truths of the gospel in a new and like refreshing way that's actually been really good for me. It's been really good for my heart. Uh, it's been really valuable for my own personal study. But this is what I want to do this morning. Um, all of you, to some degree or another, uh, carry in your heart and in your mind. Maybe you're maybe you're conscious of it. Maybe you don't think about it too often, but it's there. You carry a particular idea of God's general demeanor or disposition towards you, right? If the good news is good news, then it should land like good news, right? You guys know the feeling of hearing good news? You know that feeling, right? Of, of, of discovering something or being told something that... that you don't have to tell yourself it's good, but it lands, it feels good as you receive it. Uh, the good news, if it's good news, should land that way. And if we're not experiencing it that way, then maybe we've missed something. What I want to do this morning is I want to dig out a little, uh, like a, a, a rosebush thorn. You know those that get under your skin and you know it's in there, but you can't get it out and it just sort of like irritates you for three months and then you finally decide to go after it. Uh, 
there is a, there is a, a thorn that I have I've come across in my own relationship with God. As a pastor, I have worked with others to root this thorn out again and again and again and again. And it has to do with the way that people perceive God's general demeanor and disposition towards them. So, one verse, it's 12 words. We're going to ask five questions. Sounds like Sesame Street. Here we go. Ready? The correct answer is yes. <laughs> Romans 8.1 There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, just in case you missed it, I'm going to read it again. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so here's the first question. What is condemnation? That seems to be the, the subject of the passage, right? So what is condemnation? Let me give you a two-part uh, definition. Condemnation is to, to show someone's guilt and sentence them to a particular punishment. To reveal someone's guilt and sentence them to a particular punishment. To, to condemn someone in this sense means that I have found you deserving of a particular uh, undesirable outcome, right? You might not like it, you might not be on board with it, but guess what? You've earned it. That's condemnation. There's a second part of our definition. Condemnation is to declare something unfit or unworthy. So have you ever seen a a very old structure with a sign on the door? This building has been condemned, meaning it does not rise to any sort of satisfactory level of being able to serve its function or fulfill its function. It can no longer do that. It's been condemned. It's unfit. It's unworthy of being a home. It's condemned. Stay out, right? Worthy of a particular punishment. Unworthy or unfit for regular use. There is now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Second question, and this might seem a little patronizing, but just stay with me. This is for my sake. I'm a slow learner. How much condemnation is there? There's no condemnation. And what many of you have done is you've separated ultimate condemnation, that is going to hell, from God's demeanor of condemnation, and you've let go of one while maintaining the other. There is no condemnation. 
There is not an attitude of condemnation. There is not a particular or specific variety of condemnation. There is not a threat of condemnation. There is no residual condemnation. How much condemnation is there? None. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It has been the condition of my heart that I find it more easy to believe that I have been removed from ultimate condemnation, and yet I have reaccrued for myself through ongoing struggle and failures the demeanor of condemnation from God. I know he's not going to punish me by sending me to hell, but I'm pretty sure he's pretty disappointed with the way that I've turned out. There is now no condemnation. Third question. This might be one of my favorites of the five. When is there no condemnation? I heard it. Now. Right now there's no condemnation. So if you read this passage tomorrow, when is there no condemnation? Now. If you read it a year from now, when is there no condemnation? Now. You are tracking, my young friend. <laughs> now there is no condemnation. Regardless of how you view your particular success in achieving the outcomes that you thought God wanted or needed or in fact does desire for you to achieve, regardless of where you're at on that, right now, no matter what's behind you, no matter what failure has accumulated, no matter what struggles you find yourself currently in, right now, in this moment, God's demeanor, his attitude towards you is this. There is no condemnation. Whatever you have accrued in your mind and your heart that has led you to believe that, that condemnation has resurfaced in your relationship with God, Paul says, no, you don't understand. Right now, there is none. So let's have just a moment of honesty with each other. Let's stick to like the 25 and older crowd. This question is for you, okay? And if we're honest, then we'll be a testimony to the, the young kids that don't know anything. If you, I'm just kidding. If you, just show me a hand if you feel like or have, have, have felt like at a, at a time in the past that you have fallen short of fully accomplishing everything that God wants for your life. Oh gosh, this is a, the screw's in rough shape. <laughs> in regards to your potential today to take renewed steps towards the calling of God in your life, guess what? There's no condemnation. All of your, all of your missteps and your inability and your falling short in the past, guess what? There's no condemnation today, right now. one more time and then I'll leave you alone how many of you have, have felt like 
you, you failed much more than you thought you would in your battle to overcome sin in your life. In your ongoing effort to overcome sin, regardless of how long that road has been, regardless of how bumpy that road has been, right now, today, guess what? There is no condemnation. My wife is here, and she will attest to this. I have made at least over the last 22 years of being married to her a half a dozen mistakes in that relationship. I said at least a half a dozen mistakes. It doesn't matter if there has been 20 years of mistakes. If I decide today, today I want to turn to the Lord and become the husband or wife that God has called me to be, guess what? There is no condemnation. He's not holding out on me. If I feel like my failures as a parent have accumulated such that, that, that God would be reasonable in setting me aside, he's unfit as a parent. He's unworthy. He deserves negative outcomes. Paul says, hey, guess what? There's no condemnation. You're not condemned by anything behind you. Question number four. How is there no condemnation? It's right there, right? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I, uh, by faith, entrusted myself to God, I reached out to him. I said, I want relationship with you. God gave me his spirit. I was united with him. I was given the gift of his righteousness, which is the righteousness of Jesus, which is perfect in every way. And because I am in Christ, Christ is in me, there is now no condemnation. So whatever stands behind me in my life or even in front of me as failure, as sin, as shortcomings, whatever pile of rubbish that I've accumulated through my, my own weaknesses, that is actually not the basis of God's decision to show me no condemnation. What is the basis? Jesus in me. What we do is that given enough time and opportunity, we accumulate this big pile of stewing, wormy rubbish, garbage, junk that is our sin, and uh, we, we come to believe that this big pile of trash has obscured my capacity to see God, that he stands on the other side of it waiting for me to get it out of the way, when in fact, if you are in Christ, he stands with you on the same side of it, 
not having abandoned you, not having condemned you for your pile of rubbish. He stands with you, willing to partner with you, to overcome it with you. Went out halibut fishing yesterday. My youngest son is nine, freshly minted nine-year-old, which means he's roughly the size of a halibut. And so, of course, my halibut-sized son wants to reel up a halibut. Now, I'm, I am concerned about the safety of my son. I might be slightly more concerned about losing a rod and reel over the side of the boat, right? <laughs> my son would float. He's got life vests. The rod doesn't. But out of concern for both of their safety, um, I am carefully uh, positioned, right? So that, in fact, I said to Bo, fighting one of the fish, I said, who do you think is going to win this? Uh, the fish are you. So I have, I have positioned myself so that as the fish decides to run and the pole starts to go over, that I can grab the rod, grab the, the, the collar of his life vest, right, and kind of hold him in position until he gets control of it again, pull the rod back up, pull him back down. Okay, now start again. Now just wait, wait, wait for a second. Okay, now try it again, right? That's the image. That's how God partners with us. And because of your, if, if you despise sin, you may, you may hear an analogy like that and say, well, that, that describes like uh, an enjoyable thing, right? How can that be compared to overcoming sin, which is such an awful thing? Properly regarded, our process of overcoming is one that is filled with anticipation and leads to a victorious outcome. when you understand that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He's with you 100%. We did. We caught a lot of fish. I'll show you pictures later. <laughs> Question number five. This is where I really wrestle because of my own conscience. Question number five. Hold on a second. Is not sin condemnable? If there is no condemnation, have we just decided to ignore it? Have we just decided to, does it matter? Have we decided, oh, well, God's super nice and he's not going to hold it against me, so who cares? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And now I'm going to cheat. I'm going to read the next verse. Stay with me. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is very simple. You sin, you, right? That's God's end goal with sin. He's going to get rid of it. He's going to destroy it. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from that law. So the new law is that if you have Christ in you, you have life, right? That's the new law. He continues, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, 
What was the problem with the law? You're the problem with the law. The law was laid out and said, here's right, here's wrong, and you screwed it up. The law was intended to bring righteousness, but it was ineffective because we were unable to fulfill it. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, guess what? God did, sending his own son, the likeness of sinful flesh, as an offering for sin, and here it is, he condemned sin in the flesh. So if you have Christ in you, and you are battling against sin, guess who's condemned? Sin is. It has already been bound to defeat. God has already decided that he's going to eliminate it. He's going to get rid of it. It has already been determined that it is worthy of a particular kind of punishment, that it's unfit to keep around. Paul says, you understand that in your wrestling against sin, you see sin as being victorious and yourself as being condemned. But if you're in Christ, it's exactly the opposite. The sin that you're currently wrestling with is going to be destroyed. God is going to get rid of it. In fact, he has already condemned it. It's toast. It is damned. Are you struggling with sin? Seems pretty normal. Guess what? It is sin that is condemned, not you. You're going to survive the struggle. And sin will not. Now, are there consequences to sin that we experience in this life? Of course. There are consequences to violating any set of laws, even the law of gravity. Uh, I have a couple children that seem to frequently ignore that law, and they suffer the consequences. But they don't stand condemned. In my battle against sin in my life, because of Jesus in me, guess what? Sin is going down, and I am not. Sin has been condemned, and I am not. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, would you, would you seal this truth in our hearts? Would you, would you penetrate the depths of our heart that we would fully trust and know 
the kindness of your love towards us. God, I know that in this room right now, there are those who are burdened by the expectation of condemnation. Would you set them free by the truth of your word and by the power of your spirit? We love you. In Jesus' name. Uh, we're going to sing.